Do you consider yourself a high achiever? Smart, driven, highly successful? I am so excited to have you. My name is Julia Arndt and I'm the host of the Stress Podcast. I will help you develop your stress resilience the same way you've developed your workplace superpowers. Learn peak performance tools to thrive at work and in your personal life. Let's get started. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of Stressed. I am, as always, really excited to welcome the next guest to our show. Hi, Kristen. How are you today? I'm good, Julie. How are you doing? (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, I'm really good. I'm really excited to have you. It's Friday, and the first question that I always ask my Um, I just wanted to say client, but you're not a client, you're a guest on the show, but I've just talked to a client. So I'm a little still in client mode. Um, How is your day going? Where are you located? What time is it? And what have you been up to this morning? Absolutely. So I'm in Dallas, Texas. And here it's about 130, 135 or so, 140 probably. And actually the last couple of days, um, I've been talking to some professionals in the mental health space. Um, that actually uh, have programs and are building programs around music therapy to bring into corporations. And so um, I have a, a gentleman that I've been um, actually working uh, with or speaking with that's in Dubai in Germany. And so um, he's been kind of going over different types of cultural um, types of uh, therapy around music. And then mm-hmm. there's another individual that actually has a, an actual music program that he's trying to, um, he's been, he's been actually, um, you actually doing it, you know, B to C, but he actually wants to actually bring in corporations and it's around our emotions and how we, you know, the way we're feeling and, and actually collaborative uh, team building type, um, you know, exercises and questions around it. So it's been really interesting around how much music really affects our emotions Wow, um, in, in a very positive way and how it can really bring us out of our emotional state when we might be feeling, feeling sad or in, you know, certain states. So um, really interesting. That is very interesting. And is it that there, is it more, what kind of music is it? Is it like more binaural beats that like influence the brain frequencies or is it just like normal, like normal music in the norm, in the classical sense? Yeah. It's like, it's like all, it's like, it's basically, it, it's, it's really interesting. There's a couple of ways they look at it. Like part of it's team building where a team will actually get together and, and actually collaborate on a song and actually write their own song. And then there's the other part of it where you choose a song that brings a certain um, emotion, whether it's happiness, joy, you know, um, uh, sadness, fear, um, and that helps you get out of that state. So kind of helping you, like you said, kind of rewiring your brain. So when you hear certain songs, it really brings your brain and your energy vibrations to another level to help you bring you out of that state or bring you more into that state. If it's like joy or happiness or whatnot. Yeah. Um, I know like, if you think about it, when you think sometimes about songs that you've heard, you've had, you've had in the past, you bring up different memories. So it, it's kind of one of those things where there's two options. You can choose your own songs or there's a genre where you can choose different types of songs and different types of, um, you know, whether it's, like you said, jazz or whether it's hip hop or whether it's, you know, uh, classical, whatnot, you can choose your own songs or you also have it, an opportunity to, to have, have a facilitator help you choose them. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah, I definitely love music as well. And I've heard that for my... I don't know if it had something to do with my horoscope or something, but they said that um, I'm actually really prone to uh, um, reduce stress when I'm listening to music. It's like one of my main stress management tools, <laughs> um, which is really true. Like I really can tell that when I'm listening to music, um, my mood 
can get really much better or it can get like lower, like more depressed when I'm listening to kind of sad music. Um, and sometimes I'm like, I have to remind myself because I do enjoy like calm music, but then I'm like, it kind of affects my mood. I think I need to l listen to something a little bit more uplifting. <laughs> yeah, and that's kind of the whole pr premise of the, the music therapy that mm -hmm. the brain, the way you bring to corporations because the music it really, it really tunes you into what you're feeling. And sometimes people do feel sadness and sometimes the song can help get them through those emotions and so that's what makes it so amazing so i've just been kind of blown away about i mean it's not a new concept but in, in terms of bringing it to corporations that's some, something a little newer i mean a little more on the cutting edge which i'm excited to see sure. because i mean the more we can add in that mental health space the better for sure so with that said <laughs> now that we already hear about like one of the new things that you're looking into tell us a little bit more about you first and what you've been up to over the last couple of years and what you're doing today absolutely so I grew up here in Dallas Texas and um went to school at UT Austin um I was a competitive tennis player for uh, through through pretty much college and um as far as my professional life I actually um was in the human resources executive professional space pretty much my whole entire career um, until I actually uh, co-founded Mental Illness Unleashed, which is what I'm doing now. Um, and these are programs um, and tools and techniques that we provide to corporations um, that actually uh, help to develop, implement, and sustain a mentally healthy culture and workplace. So um, all of our, our programs are built on CBT um, techniques, which help to rewire and reorganize um, your pathways and synaptic connections, such as neuroplasticity. So um, our programs at, in consulting that we go in are actually uh, benefit all employees and leaders and, you know, benefit individuals and also leaders can use them as coaching tools. So, um, you know, we've been around, we're a young company, um, but these are basically programs are developed on many of the tools uh, that I developed when I was actually in my own therapy in cognitive behavioral therapy. So, um, but yeah, so I brought, you know, my, so I still bring my HR background from my, the corporate space into what I'm doing now as well. Mm -hmm. And um, tell me more about that story of how that came about that you started. Did, did you start that company, Mental Health Unleashed? So, yeah, it's a really interesting story. So, you know, Julia, when I was in the corporate world, um, I had to kind of live, I always called my limitation self because I, I couldn't, because of the stigma around mental health, I was never able to really come out and say that I have, you know, my diagnosis. And I noticed there wasn't a lot around mental health um, as an HR executive. And I actually even de designed, de developed a mental health, um, not mental, I'm sorry, EAP programs and, and also benefit programs. And I looked for, for areas where we could really put in mental health. Like how can we make this a more mentally healthy culture? And at one point in time, and I've been thinking about this, you know, for several years, and finally I just said, you know what, I can think I can make more, much more of an impact if I do, if I actually do this on my own. And having lived experiences, I'm kind of like, you know, your story that you, that you tell, um, I'm like, I can do this. And so I actually uh, met up with a, someone I used to work with at a large financial corporation, and she and I got together, I told her kind of what I was, what I was um, working on and what my vision was. Um, and then she and I connected and we started off as accountability partners. And then we finally decided to go ahead and just um, co-found Mental Wellness oh, Unleashed. Cool. That's so cool. And she has a HR background as well. And so we bring, you know, you know, almost 40 years of human resources experience. Um, you know, she's got a different background in HR than I do. So bring that together as well. Mm -hmm. And, um, and so um, she's the program, the executive program director. So, uh, so we, we mesh really well. 
That's really great. And so I'm very, I love that you brought up um, CBT. So cognitive behavioral therapy for those of you that don't know what CBD is. Can you tell us a couple of different tools that you use in order to help employees at work um, invest in their mental health? Absolutely. So, you know, cognitive behavioral therapy is where we truly have the ability to retrain our brain like the, like the muscle it is. And so when I was in cognitive behavioral therapy um, throughout my journey, um, I was diagnosed later on. Um, I, I had I had suffered a depression and, and major anxiety in uh, young when I was younger and in high school. Did not I mean I had fragmentations of, of a trauma that I had gone through um, that were fragmented memories. And so uh, and and just I have to say this it was not my my beautiful parents. Um, but I, but, I, but I kept trying to understand what they were. And so when I got into my twenties, all of a sudden, all these memories just came flooding back like a freight train. And so then I, you know, I called this the second part of my journey. So when I was in therapy, um, I could, I had frustrations because I couldn't find a therapist that I, I was clicking with. And then I, I finally found this therapist and she was a specialist in CBT. And so I would go through these sessions and I was like, oh my God, these were great. But then I would leave and go, how do I sustain? How do I sustain this? And so I started building tools during, um, after, and to this day on around CBT techniques. And one of the, the initial ones that I uh, developed was a 180 shift tool. And basically what it is, is it's taking negative thoughts, your non-reality and doing a 180 to shift to a, to a positive thought pattern. And, and that can also include self-limiting beliefs. And so what you do, you take that thought pattern and you journal about it, say it out loud um, for 21 to 30 days, three times a day with affirmations. Um, and you need to do it habitually. So having a journal, like in the morning with your morning rituals is a great way to do it. Then in the, in the afternoon, again, say it out loud. The more senses that we use in do, doing, working these tools, the better. Um, and then at night, you know, I always say you know, with my clients, you know, put it, put it in your phone, record it, whatever it is with music behind it. And it goes from your subconscious to your conscious. So what we're doing is, um, and another term for two is called ANTS, which is um, a term deemed by Dr. Daniel Allman. And that's automatic negative thoughts or talk. So you're taking these, these, these and negative thought patterns, which a lot of us, you know, develop when we're in, ch in childhood. Um, and so, and, you know, to do a 180 shift to the opposite of what that negative thought pattern is. Um, and it's amazing how it starts to become automatic with every, with other negative thought mm -hmm. patterns. And so for me, that was one of the, the initial tools I developed that was so impactful and powerful. Um, that, that can work for anybody with it, like that they don't have to have a mental health condition, just somebody that's going through tough times when it comes to having like a fixed mindset versus growth mindset. Like we talk about Carol Dweck, we talk about, you know, cause I know you like her too. Um, and she's fabulous. <laughs> and it's just all the, all the, you know, all the, uh, research she's done around a growth mindset, emotional intelligence, you know, self-awareness, those types of things. So this, this tool really helps with that really helps to develop a growth mindset. Mm -hmm. Okay, I need to uh, dig a little bit deeper into that because I find it very interesting and I hope that the listeners will find this super interesting as well. So let's say you have a lot of um, negative thoughts, um, sad thoughts, depressed thoughts, you feel really anxious, um, you have limiting beliefs maybe that you have identified. Would you journal and talk about that or do you like do that 180 shift first and then you try to always journal about something positive these three times a day? Yeah. So you take, so the journal, um, in fact, I, I have two journals. I have, have one for gratitude and one for journaling for these types of things. So yes, you take, you, you literally, you, you take that limiting thought or thoughts. If you have thoughts and you actually journal about them every day around what, why is this, why is this belief not true? What makes it not true? What makes it true? 
why why am I having these thoughts? Where did it come from? Like journaling about like self, it's like self-reflecting as to where, like, like like diving into yourself to to interest the introspection part of it is what really is amazing because it really makes you realize, you know, I've been saying this to myself all these years and it's not true. So so what we're really trying to do is get from our non-reality to our reality. So mm-hmm. when you're journaling about this every day and saying it out loud, saying, you know, I have a lot of clients that say, you know, um, I'm, 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 I don't want to do this because I'm going to fail. And then you change that, to, you change that to, I can set, I can do anything I set my mind to. And so you journal around that, you journal around that positive, that positive thought. Mm-hmm. And you say, well, how can I, what, why can I, what can I, what can I do? And as you continue to do that, it all, your, your brain starts to shift and mm-hmm. then it starts to become automatic to say, no, I can set my, I can do whatever I set my mind to. And so all of a sudden you're like, it's, it becomes a limiting, it, can, it becomes a, a belief that's not only a, a positive belief, but it starts to help with your value and belief system. Mm-hmm. So the mindset formula that I have is our emotions and thoughts drive our actions and our behaviors, which drives our reality. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Joe Dispenza. <laughs> have you yeah. heard of him? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. It's like I'm like uh, obsessed with his work. Um, yeah. I love okay. his work too. Okay, so you do both because he basically says to do both too, right? When he's doing his meditations, he says, first dive into what is not helpful and what you want to let go of. And then you kind of build that new reality of what, right? That that more positive mindset. Okay, really cool tool. So you do that three times a day for 25 to 30 days. And that really helps to kind of reintegrate into the subconscious in order to help you reprogram your mind. Yeah. And actually when, what I'll tell you the first couple of days, sometimes it just doesn't, it doesn't like you, if you have a self-learning belief or a negative thought pattern that you've had for a long time, the first couple of days, it just doesn't feel normal. Sometimes like you're like, I've always, but what, I've always felt this way. So sometimes mm-hmm. our, our, our conscious wants to keep our subconscious from making a change. So that's why it's so important to do it habitually for 21 to 30 days. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're right to, to what you just said, talking around why, you know, where it comes from, why, why this a negative learning belief is, is in understanding why to help change it to the reality of what, what the belief is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so here's the next question, because I'm talking a lot about this with my sister who just started the Joe Dispenza meditations, breaking the habit of being yourself. And she said to me, I've been really trying to do this, but I feel like um, I'm almost feeling more negative at the moment. Um, is that normal that like maybe at the beginning when I'm starting this process that more that it feels like even heavier and more difficult to go through it. Yeah, I, th- I think, yes, that, 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 that happens, that happens. That's, that's why it's so important to continue to, to do, to do, to, because, you know, I call it mental homework because it's, it's not, you know, things that we want to change in our, the, what, that we've been thinking for so long. And to what your sister said, it's exactly it's kind of spot on. Mm-hmm. You're going, I thought this so long. And now I'm like, oh my gosh, this is depressing. Like, like yeah. I'm going to have to, uh, how am I, you know, I need to, I need to work to change this. And I think part of the initial thought process, especially with me, when it happened with me, I, I was like, I've been telling myself this for this many years and it's just not true. And so then you have to kind of, so it's a bit of the sadness and depression sort of happens sometimes at first in the process of doing that. And mm-hmm. so when you're doing meditation, sometimes it happens too. So you're bringing up thoughts that, that, that may be sad and, and, and limiting beliefs that, that make you sad. So you kind of go through that phase. And so when you're changing them, there's a little bit of a little bit of that. That's why the first initial couple of days mm-hmm. may not feel normal and may bring on those emotions. Mm-hmm. And then as you, as you continue to realize this is my reality, then all of a sudden your, your mindset becomes much more positive and flexible yeah. about around that thought. 
Okay. And another question, because I've been doing this now for two months about, and I feel like, I feel like at the beginning, the impact was really positive and really powerful. And I could really see how things really shifted for me. And over the last two weeks, I feel like it's been getting more difficult again. Um, is that also something that you see? Because obviously, right, we are talking about 25 to 30 days of homework, but it's mental homework. You don't just do it for 30 days and then you forget about it again. It's kind of an ongoing process. Um, have you, like, what is your experience with that? I'm kind of curious. So I, I think a lot, so this, so what I'll say about that is when we talk about our growth mindset and emotional intelligence, you know, oftentimes we'll be in a situation where, because you, you obviously have a growth mindset and obviously high emotional intelligence. We can fall back in those patterns But when we have a growth mindset, to your point, which you just said, you're aware of it. Mm -hmm. You're aware of that you're feeling, you're, you're having these feelings and you're feeling it difficult. I absolutely understand what you're saying because I've gone through that many times. And mm -hmm. then what I, what I do with myself is say, why am I feeling either sad, depressed, or why am I having these feelings? And why is it, why am I, you know, why am I feeling like I'm going backwards? Mm -hmm. And sometimes it's, it's not about going backwards. It's just, you're, you're in, you're in a mindset where you're either probably, looking at another negative thought, or maybe it's something that happened to you that's making you sad, or maybe you're just having sad days where your mindset is not where it normally is. And I think that's, that happens a lot too, especially with people. Um, I was, I was diagnosed with PTSD, clinical depression and clinical anxiety. And, and I have to manage mine on a, on a basic daily basis. Mm -hmm. So when I hear you say that, I know exactly what you're talking about, mm -hmm. but the The beautiful thing is that when you're in that place with, with the growth mindset, you can say, I accept these feelings because the first thing you have to do is accept the feelings mm -hmm. and accept the emotions. This is what a lot of this music therapy talks about, accepting mm -hmm. our sadness, accepting our fears, accepting, you know, a lot of people try to push them away and that's when it becomes difficult. And that's when it becomes debilitating is when you, when you keep, when you keep, it comes like a looping thought, mm -hmm. whether it's fear or sadness or whatever that is. And, you know, a lot of times people will start to fall back in that. But when you realize I'm looping, then you come back out of that and say, okay, accept I, my, my emotions I'm feeling. And now you can start to move on to those you know, more, more positive thoughts of healing mm -hmm. those, those feelings. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that's a really important lesson, hopefully for the listeners, because I think really one of my experiences over the last few years since I've also right was diagnosed in 2018 with anxiety and depression is, is that it's an ongoing process. And um, I actually just recorded a video for my YouTube channel on um, how to over, like how to cope with, with anxiety, because I don't think you can really overcome or cure anxiety. I think you can have better moments and like harder moments with anxiety and you will go naturally as an anxious person through cycles where you feel less anxious and through cycles where you feel more anxious. Um, but yeah, I think the most important takeaway hopefully here is, is that you, it's a constant, like constant work. It's just like how you are constantly investing in your physical health, right? Because you are going exercising three or four times a week and you try to eat healthy, right? It's just the same with our mental health as well, especially if you are prone to right anxiety or depression or negative thought cycles. Um, so yeah, I think 
to not give up and to always invest again. Like even I think Joe Dispenza says this as well, that if you have a bad day, right, our ego and our conscious mind is like, oh, I'm having a bad day today anyway, so I'm not going to do the work, that those are the days that are the most important to actually sit down and journal and talk with someone and like work through these emotions. A hundred percent, Joe. This is such a good point. And what I want to add to what you just said, which is so important, there is a true mind to body and, you know, there's something called the vagus nerve that, that, that literally like when you're mentally not doing well, you're physiologically not going to be doing well. So when we have clinical anxiety or anxiety, and we're having bouts of anxiety, um, we start to have physiological issues, you know, digestive problems, aches and pains. So for people that are having, you know, maybe listening and thinking that's normal, that's mm-hmm. not normal. And I thought that was normal for the longest time. Mm-hmm. So it's really important that when we are, feel like we're falling back into that, that state, to your point, that those are the days when we need to get, get, get up you know, take, take our shower, have us have a structure. One of the things I'll tell you that really works well, um, it's worked well for me is when I, when, if I have a day like that, I have a structure, I have something in place where actually it's step by step by step by step by step that I do mm-hmm. that, that makes me that, that I do including journaling. And that's part of my morning rituals. Okay. So if I'm having a day like that, I, 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 I actually say, Oh my God. I mean, because there's a couple of times where I'll skip my morning rituals. Right. But if I'm having a day like that, the most important thing I do is my morning rituals. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm the same way for sure. Structure is so important. And to have, to be, because I feel like you almost, even once you do that, I already feel accomplished that I feel like I've done these things, right? Because sometimes it's hard to get out of bed. And then you're like, oh, do I, do I really want to get out of bed today? Right. And then you do it and you just follow because it's become so automatic your ritual and your routine in the morning that you, that structure that after you've accomplished it, you will already feel more like yourself again, I guess, as well. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, the, you know, it's really important too, and, you know, especially whether in corporate or entrepreneurship or whatnot, you know, we've talked about burnout before and, you know, when we, when we've, and you and I have both been through it and, you know, when, when we talk about burnout, which is a big topic right now, um, you know, we need to make sure that, that we're taking care of ourselves. Self-care is self-preservation. Mm-hmm. And I, and I think people need to, you know, sometimes people think, oh, I've got to take care of all these other people. If we're not taking care of ourselves to, to what we're talking about today. Um, then we, that we can head into that direction. And then, you know, when we talk about burnout, there's onside of it, stress, and then it can lead to, you know, a stress where you're, you're kind of being productive and then chronic stress, which is where you're like, I'm, I'm having a hard time managing this and then burnout, which is where you just can't manage it at all. So when we're feeling this way, we need to make sure that we are doing what we're discussing today and yeah. taking care of ourselves. And that yeah. self-care is so important. So that structure around self-care is really important important, yeah and you know one thing that really resonates with me with me that I also want to highlight is is that I think even when you are in burnout and you're not like on the super super severe burnout stage yet you might still be really productive and you might still be like "Mm, like everything is still fine right I am not maybe feeling a hundred percent but I'm still getting my work done so everything is okay right I think that not being productive piece and the performance piece that that's really suffering I think that might just really come at the end because I feel like peak performers have learned to push that and to ignore the signals of their body and mind for a super, super long time, which is then, right, that's why I think that's when people get anxiety attacks or panic attacks because they just ignore it for so long that the body's like, hey, <laughs> something yeah. is not not going right. Like you need to pay attention to me. Um, so yeah, so I think, you know, even if you are feeling productive right now, it's, you know, it's still, 
like it still can be that you are already in the burnout stage and that you're feeling super anxious and that the anxiety that you're experiencing actually helps you to keep those stress hormones high to keep you be productive during your workday, right? Absolutely. And I mean, that's actually what happened to me. And, and what happens is because of, because of the anxiety, your cortisol goes, so your cortisol, the stress hormone goes up. And yeah. so people you know, that listening today, I mean, you know, when your cortisol goes up, you know, you go in fear, flight, fright mode, and then you, inflammation happens. And then your thought, your, 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 even though you're being productive, your decision-making starts to falter and things start to happen. And what happened to me is I did that exact thing. And then what I went into, went to the office one day and I could barely read what was on my computer. So I had pushed myself to the point where, you know, I'm like, okay. And, and the other thing I'll tell you too, is, you know, which, which I know, you know, most likely is that, you know, the difference between anxiety and panic attacks are like anxiety, you, you feel it coming on. And so you're like, okay, I, I'm feeling the anxiety. What, what, you know, I have coping mechanisms. A lot of my coping mechanisms, people don't even know what they are. Like they wouldn't even know I'm doing them. Mm-hmm. But panic attacks come, just come on. Mm-hmm. So sometimes someone's having a panic attack, then you know, you're really in that chronic phase of stress. Yeah. And it's really scary. Like I have, unfortunately not had any panic attacks in my life but I have friends that have gone through it because I think they've ignored their signals um and they were super shocked right and they were traveling and all of a sudden they thought they're having a heart attack right and um went to the ER and the hospital and you know they told them everything is fine and they just experienced a panic attack and they were like wow like this is really scary right and don't let it come to that don't wait until it's it goes to that point where you're yeah. Well, and I thought, th- and I'm glad you brought that up because I, I, I had panic attack. The first one I had, I thought I was having a heart attack too. Mm-hmm. And um, the story is, I actually was in a movie theater with a friend of mine, and I, I, I was coming in and coming going. All of a sudden, everything was getting like spinning. I was getting dizzy. So people, and all of a sudden, like my, 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 my head palpitations. Actually, went to my car. And when you have a panic attack, you don't know what it is because now that I know, I mean, I've had that, this. This is years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, the, a gentleman actually came over and said, ma'am, can I call somebody for you? I'm like, uh, you know, my, my parents at the time or whatever. And they weren't, they, they weren't available. So he called 911 because he thought I was having a heart attack. Mm-hmm. So I ended up in the hospital. And when they hooked me up at EKG, they, it, it actually has similar, similar effects of heart attack, but they, they said, this is, you're having a panic attack. And the, the one thing I was saying about that is, you know, I was so relieved because at least I knew what it was. So mm-hmm. when it was coming on, I could, I could do exercises to, keep keep because I've since then I mean I've, I have to manage that too so mm-hmm. then once you have it then you then you have coping mechanism things you can do to to, to, to relax yourself yeah like breathing exercises yeah that's really interesting okay so we talked about the first CBT technique but I'd love if you could share more with us what Absolutely. else can people do so um there's another really wonderful um tool around resilience and um you know people oftentimes don't realize that resilience is a skill that can be taught and developed. It's a skill. Um, we're not, we're not born with it. Some people are born more resilient than others, but it's a skill that can be developed. So there's a resilience tool I developed, um, and it's around areas of where you can improve on resilience. Um, and when I talk about resilience, it's actually based on positive psychology and there's seven areas of of resilience that um, we concentrate on, um, like optimism, um, self image, uh, faith and understanding your purpose, problem solving, so this tool basically takes all those areas and then I've, I built drivers around what you can do to increase 
and improve those areas when it comes to resilience. Mm. And resilience is not just about getting through challenging and adverse situations. It's about how fast you adapt and how effectively you adapt and being stronger, stronger for it. So, um, you know, I, I say the nucleus is the, uh, I'm, the re, I'm sorry, resilience is a nucleus of all mindset traits. Because for me, if I didn't have the resilience, I wouldn't have been able to get through the other mindset mm-hmm. areas around resilience. I mean, I had to, I had to be resilient to be able to get through every, all the other areas I was going through with depression and anxiety and other things. Mm-hmm. Um, so my resilience is really built up. So these drivers that the beauty, the beauty, the beautiful thing about this tool is that you can take maybe two of the seven and take drivers to work on them. And then you're doing really great. All of a sudden you're like, you're having some issues maybe around um, problem solving. So then you take drivers around that. So for an example would be, um, you know, practicing gratitude, living in the present. You know, that's one of the seven principles is around, you know, being optimistic. So how do you do that? What do you do to be, what do you, what do you do to have gratitude? What do you do to live in the present? You know, mm-hmm. those types of things. So it's a really good tool that you can go back and, and not only use for yourself, but use for a coaching tool and also use for like your family, your family members. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can always go back to that tool for those other places you might be having some issues with. So that's a be- beautiful part of it. All the drivers, you can relate to the different seven aspects of resilience. Mm-hmm. Um, very interesting that you said that connection between resilience and mindset. I feel like mindset plays a role everywhere. Like mm-hmm. I... It's almost like, yes, I agree with you. Resilience is super important. But then at the same time, I feel like if you don't have the mindset that you can learn these tools, right? Because you have the growth mindset to be like, okay, I can actually do this and I can change my mind and I can progress, right? Then then you wouldn't maybe even invest in the, those different tools. Yeah, well, for me, for me, it, it, when I was going through it, I was, re- I was, I was realizing I, I have to find a way to be resilient, to be able to deal with all the self-reflection, all the, all these, these, these patterns, the trauma. Mm-hmm. I felt like if I don't have the resilience to be able to do these exercises and tools, I won't be able to do them. Like I have to be resilient. I have to say, okay, how can I be resilient to continue to build a growth mindset? How can I be resilient to, to get out of my comfort zone, which is part of growth mindset to look at a challenge as an opportunity, like not look at it as, oh my gosh, I, this is a setback. Look at falling or I call it falling, but failure or falling, you know, at, as a growth mindset trait, right? Because they growth mindset looks at falling and failing as an opportunity for success. As a fixed mind growth would look at that and just say, I just failed. So mm-hmm. for me, that resiliency really helped with, with my growth mindset to be able to, to on, a, on a daily basis say, mm-hmm. okay, I've got to overcome this fertile. How do I do that? I do that through my resilience. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, so resilience is one tool. I'm really curious um, because you talked about cognitive behavioral therapy and how going, I guess, maybe to more traditional therapists um, wasn't as helpful for you as going to a CBT therapist. I'd love to hear um, some more tools that you learned that you that you found really helpful in coping with mental health. Yeah. So you know, when you when I was going to the regular therapist, I kind of just kind of talk about you know you just talk about like, you know, what happened and, you know, it's kind of talk through like, oh, well, these are some things you could, with, when I was in CBT, the hour was so intensive because it would be like taking, you know, taking that thought, these thoughts, these, these patterns. So for instance, an example would be a lot of people that suffer from trauma, they feel guilty and ashamed. Mm-hmm. And so when you're in CBT, you know, therapy, they're taking those thoughts and they're asking, we ask questions around, why do you feel that way? Why do you think it's your fault? What, how can you, what can you do to change that? And so it's not just talking through through what happened. Yeah. It's actually giving you 
tools and techniques around around resilience and mindset to say this is what you need to change this this, this behavior of thinking getting down to the, the the center and the nucleus of why you're feeling this way mm-hmm. and so when i was in these sessions that's that's why i started to build these tools afterwards because we would have these cbt sessions where we would talk about different ways of thinking and changing that behavior but then when i left when i left my cbt uh therapy session I'm like i have my how am i going to sustain this mm-hmm. so she gave me sort of the foundational this is what you need to do you need to take this thought and make and, and turn it into this thought which is the reality um she didn't use it word reality at the time but i changed i, I used the word reality and mm-hmm. so that was what that's what really helped me build these tools is because i was going off of foundational cbt specialist about how do we change these types of of negative thought patterns and self-limiting beliefs which mm-hmm. you know we all have them to a certain degree but yeah. some of them can be so debilitating to where you can't, it's hard for you to function. So those, those different techniques that we did, we talked through about changing negative thought patterns to positive and flexible thought patterns was what really was the the technique around all the other mindset areas in my, in my therapy that I needed to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And how are you doing today? So, you know, you have all these tools now and, um, hopefully rewired your brain in certain areas, right? Like how, how do you feel like you're coping today with, with anxiety and depression? You know, it's been amazing. Um, I always, I always tell people like I use my own tools. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, you know, so I'm doing really well because what's happened in my world now is, um, I'm, I'm sustaining everything. Mm -hmm. So when I, when, when something goes down, when something's coming up and I'm managing anxiety because of these tools and because, because of the coping mechanisms that I've, that I've developed, um, you know, there's consequences versus action tools or a lot of other tools we can talk about all day long. I'm able to take that, those tools and they're automatic for me. So when I, when something's coming up, like a, you know, an issue or a life event or something that's challenging, I'm ready because my, because my brain has been rewired. Um, there's something called, just, I don't think you've heard of it, sprouting and rerouting. Sprouting is actually building new neur- neurons and then um, rewiring is actually having synaptic connections like go around and find a new way of connecting um, and depression calls that. So it was rerouting. So, so my neuroplasticity in my brain has really changed because of these tools and because of um, how, how much I just do them. I just do it automatically. I do it daily. I mean, that's cut my morning rituals and all the things that I do integrate CBT to some degree. Mm-hmm. So the thoughts still come up, but then you have tools. Well, the thoughts still come up because I think also because you're just challenged on a daily basis, right? With life and with just yeah. things that are thrown at you. Um, do you feel like f- from a limiting belief perspective that you really, do you feel like your limiting beliefs are still coming up in, in these situations? Or do you feel like that has already been more um, shifted into a more positive way too? You know, it's, it's really, it's really interesting. I, I, I had three phases of my journey mm-hmm. starting when I was a little to, to, you know, several years back ago. Um, and when I was going through my journey, I was ha- before I was, had the CBT uh, therapy, I would have physiological issues going on. I would have, I mean, things coming up all the time in my mind, I'd be at work and all of a sudden things would just, you know, they would just come into my mind, you know, mm-hmm. that's all that, that is, that is Gone, that has gone away. That, that's mm-hmm. really gone away. It's very, I mean, I've, that, it's very manageable. I don't even have, I mean, from where I was to where I am, I mean, I'm a different person mm-hmm. um, and, and I'm, I'm my true self. Um, so, you know, I think for me, that's kind of where you were talking about earlier about when you kind of go back into, you're having a difficulty or a challenging situation or, or depression. 
able to come out of that. And like, I would have been on this, maybe the first and second phase of my journey. It would be debilitating where I wouldn't be able to do it. So now, you know, I'm able to completely function no matter what hits me and comes my way. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so tell us a little bit more about your work that you do with organizations. I'm really curious about that as well. So yeah, what, what, how do you work with organizations? Right. So we go in um, and I've built a framework, a tiering process around going into an organization and looking at their culture. And we, we meet with stakeholders, um, with stakeholder meetings, um, and then we do focus groups and do, you know, interviewings and surveys and kind of find out where they are from a mental, mental health perspective and employee wellness as well, because we're holistic in what we do. So it's not just mental, it's, it's holistically things that we can implement, see what, what they already have in place, see what, um, and, and see what needs to be implemented, help develop, um, and customize that that culture and that framework to the actual organization. Mm -hmm. um, and then we, it, as soon as we implement all that and, and it's looking at EAP systems, um, you know, what other, you know, what other education, you know, round tables, lunch orders, different things that you can do to implement and customize that program and initiative for that organization. And mm -hmm. then we come back in and we say, okay, where are we, you know, a year later, six months later, and mm -hmm. then we look at tweaking and, and sustaining it. How do we need to continue to sustain it and improve it? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And then we did, again, we have trainings around the workshops, um, team buildings, lunch and learns in different areas. Um, you know, we do talk, we do, we have a lunch and learn series around, you know, resilience, mindfulness, um, you know, the topics uh, that, that could, you can customize topics as well um, mm -hmm. around mental health um, and wellness, what you can do around stress and anxiety, coping mechanisms, what are stressors and triggers. So we built, you know, we built a programs and issues around that, that for organizations, mm -hmm. um, And also around, you know, one of the areas that we're focusing on now is also now is burnout. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of the healthcare organizations are going through that very much so, um, so much as other corporations. But um, so just going in there and really seeing how, how can we only build this, but sustain it. That's kind of what differentiates us. We really, we don't like to do one and done. We like to do more of a series or something that's going to sustain a mentally healthy culture and employee wellness. Yeah. Yeah. Totally resonates with me as well. And um How do you feel like, I don't know, how many years has it been since you started this company? We are about, we're about three and a half years old. Three and a half years. Three and a half years new. <laughs> and yeah. When you, yeah. Right, yeah. No, that's great. That's really great. And um, do you feel like when you started this work that companies were open to that kind of work? Like, do you feel like you really had to uh, like advertise and market and like, you know, convince leaders to invest in that? Like, how has that shift been even in the last three and a half years? Because I'm sure that with COVID, you know, I can see it in my work, obviously, as well, that, you know, corporations are a little bit more um, open now to talk about mental health and helping employees. But like, what was the journey for you like? Yeah, I think a lot of it, too, is also speaking their language. Um, so like, for, for instance, an example, if you're a cyber, we had a cybersecurity company, and it was, you know, male dominated. And so, you know, well, we, we, we went in with, you know, resilience instead of, you know, mental health, like how yeah. can we build up resilience? And so that, you know, so it really is about what is the organization, what, what are their needs? What's their, what is their, their language? How do they want to, how do you want to adapt it in there? But, um, you know, I think to your point, you know, when we first started, I mean, there, we did a lot of research and a lot of the companies out there that actually do programs and initiatives that are based on cognitive behavioral therapy techniques. There's not a lot of that out there, so it's new. So, you know, when we were out there advertising what we do, you know, one of the things that's that's really great about what we do is that it's it's these programs and these tools and techniques are they work for people with mental health conditions and people that don't have mental health conditions. So that's one of the selling points 
um, you know, that, you know, and, and that leaders can not only utilize for themselves, but for their teams and for coaching. Mm-hmm. And so that's been, so, so it's actually, you know, changing the narrative. Like I never use the word mental illness, always use mental health conditions because, mm-hmm. you know, you don't say I have a heart illness, you say I have a heart condition, right? So helping to change the narrative to normalize and sensitize um, and destigmatize mental health has been something where that's been really helpful in, in how we market out what we yeah. do. Yeah. One of my podcast guests like Io or so ghost had a really powerful quote that I, that so resonated with me. I'm sure it resonates with you too, which, which is um, not everyone has a mental illness, but everyone has mental health. Right? Absolutely. So um, yeah. And I think if you don't invest in your mental health, you can become, um, you know, you can have struggles and things. Um, so yeah. So that really resonated with me. Absolutely. And that's what actually, that's one of the things we do say, we say, you know, when we, when we give presentations and we do webinars and we always say we all have mental health. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I mean, everybody's going to, I mean, everyone's going to go through something at some point in their life, even if they don't have a mental health condition. So, you know, that, that's something, and, and that's important. We had, we had a, a large company where, you know, we had one individual and we, we do pre-surveys before we, we go in and to ask, you know, what's, what's the culture like. And one individual said they had never had anxiety and they didn't know how to deal with what was going on within the company. And it was a very large company. Um, and they said they didn't know what to do. And so they never even had anxiety. So they didn't even know like what kind of what it was and how to deal with it. So there are people out there that have not had the adversity that some others have. And so they deal with things so differently. Mm-hmm. Um, and when somebody comes and they don't have the coping mechanisms, they're like, I don't know what to do. So that's why it's so important that we all talk about having to equip it, equip them. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Great. Um, I'm trying to think what else. So you, you already talked about your, um, your morning routine. I'd love to hear maybe one or two more things that you do when you feel like you're faced with a challenging situation in your day to day, or you even talked about like panic attacks and, you know, you know, now have tools that, that you can like immediately use when you feel like something is coming up. What, what's maybe two things that changed your life or maybe even something that you feel like is new like you know I feel like a lot of things that we're talking about might be things that people have heard about before but is there anything where you're like oh this really helped for me and I like didn't expect this to help yeah me? you know I, I really think I think that this having a structured day when you're in that when you're in, when you're in a down down downward place or mm-hmm. if you feel like you're just you won't you wake up and you're like oh, I don't I don't even know you know, like, I don't know how I'm going to get through the day or I'm not feeling motivated. Mm-hmm. Having that structure to say, I'm going to get up and I'm doing these morning routines. I'm going to get up and, and do them even more. Like for instance, if I, if I, um, if I, if I'm walking, mm-hmm. like, I need to walk a little more or I need to be with nature a little more. I need to get up and literally just walk outside. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, and I think, you know, I have other tools like, you know, that, that help with getting through the day. So, but, but I will say, I think it's really having something structured in place And, you know, not just saying, you know, have, you know, feel gratitude for today, but like have a structured way of planning how you're going to get through stress and anxiety and what coping mechanisms are you using if you have a trigger mm-hmm. and having those in place and ready to go and, and just being very aware when things are coming on to be able to address that before it gets to a place where you feel like you can't, you can't function or you can't produce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I actually just thought of, um, a guest that I had on the, on my weekly group coaching called the Academy of Peak Performers. His name is Eric, um, 
Severson, I think is his last name. Um, he was also on the podcast before and he talked about something that really resonated with me that I like that has really resonated with me in the last week. And I'm like, okay, I really want to integrate that. So I want to share it. Um, you know, there's obviously always this like um, reaction versus response mode. So when we are in a stressful situation, we quickly like react instead of taking a moment to reflect on, okay, what's happening, you know, what I'm experiencing, what's coming up for me, and then responding instead of reacting to it. And he said the question that he always asks himself in that moment of reflection is, how would my best self, the best version of me, react to this situation? Like, how, wh what would I do? What would I say? How would I react? And I thought it was so powerful, even though it's such a simple, like, phrase, right? But oftentimes, obviously, when we are operating from our best self and from our best side then obviously we are you know kinder more compassionate and more reflective and so I thought that was really that really stuck with me I'm like hmm, that's that's a really good sentence to ask yourself in stressful situations well and, and I think to, to that point too I'll bring this up it, it's not what happens to us is the way we, we react and respond yeah, right. yes. and I think you know to what you said earlier empathetic and compassionate thinking is so important so when we're looking at emotional intelligence when we're looking at self-regulating mm -hmm. regulating our emotions Mm -hmm. he's spot on because what you have to do is take a step back mm -hmm. and say okay I'm emotionally feeling this way and this I mean being in HR with employee relations issues 50% or more were due to people not having the ability to self-regulate their emotions so mm -hmm. if we take a step back and we say I'm feeling this emotion but my response needs to be I need to logically think about this and I call it functional conflict so mm -hmm. when you're looking at a conflict as a functioning way of getting a solution that helps you self-regulate your emotions so, I mean, I'll add that too. I mean, there's several other things I could say, but self-regulation self of emotions is huge when it comes to impulse control. So mm -hmm. what he said is, is exactly right. It's how would my best self, if I was in a situation, I'm getting this response from this person or something's happening to me, I can't control. What would my best self, my the version of myself react? Yeah. You know? Yeah. And that's, that's exactly, exactly, exactly it. It's, it's not the, what happens is how we respond. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, what are the books that shaped you the most in this journey? Um, of course, mindset, you know, psychology, success, uh -huh. um, change your, change your brain, change your life. Um, that's an awesome, it's Dr. Daniel Almond. I mentioned it before. Uh, great book. Another one I would mention is the code of the extraordinary mind by Vijan Lakiyami. So okay. great book. Um, that those three are great atomic habits, another mm -hmm. fabulous book, um, to get, so those four right there, I mean, I'd say are a great one decision. Um, mm -hmm. And that's by um, he's he's a, actually a life coach for the entertainment bit. This is Dr. Phil show all the time. Um, he has, it's, it's, it's like, say, make, making one one large decision in your life and changing it and how that can how can that can affect your life in an amazing way, positively. Mm -hmm. So those are some really good books, I've, you know, just off the top of my head and that I can think of. Great. Well, Kristen, this was really, really wonderful. I really appreciate having you here and having this conversation with you. If people want to learn more about you, how could they best reach out? Sure. And um, you know, go to our website, www.mentalwellnessunleashed.com or reach out to me directly, which is Kristen Durney at mentalwellnessunleashed.com. 
Also, um, you know, we've got a, a Facebook uh, business page, a LinkedIn page. It has some free resources that people can go to utilize. We post on there all the time. Um, and then we have an Instagram page as well. So, um, you know, I always like to, to give out that because we do have a lot of free resources for people that they can go to and utilize and actually take immediate action um, if they're in a, you know, if they're in a, in a situation. Um, so we try to make sure we, we put contact out content and resources and tools out there that people can utilize. Yeah. Great. Awesome. Well, I am really, really excited that our paths have crossed. We recently spoke at a panel discussion together and yeah, it's really, uh, it's really wonderful to see so many people invest in this space and um, to connect with the people like you um, to, yeah, to just learn from each other and share um, what's working and what's not working. So thank you so much um, for your openness and for your vulnerability also to share your own story. And I wish you all the best in the future. Thank you for having me, Julia. This is wonderful. It was really great to meet you in our past process. Thank you.